Strong Voices. It's not just about one state. It's not just about one community. It's about all of our communities. The issues that face Indigenous peoples around the world sit at the heart of the questions that we're asking about the future of our political order. I am here and now, and I speak my language. I practice my cultural essence of me. What we do need is a more critical race consciousness in this country, a preparedness to talk about race, to talk about the way in which racialized logics are inscribed upon our bodies and to critically examine them in order to change it. The government's changed, but we've got to be still here. We're always going to be still here. We've been here for 65,000 years and I don't think we're going to go anywhere. What the system still struggles with is this collaboration with First Nations people. A strong voice is an Aboriginal voice. Hello, good morning and welcome to Strong Voices. We're coming to you live from the Calm Radio Studios on Aranda Country in Central Australia and broadcasting to all nations through Vast Channel 911. We're on 8 FM uh, here in Abantua, Alice Springs and also coming to you online via our website, uh, that's karma.com.au. Today is, of course, the start of the week. It's uh, Monday, the 15th of July, 2019. My name's Kyle Dowling. Thank you for tuning in to Strong Voices this morning. It's great to be back with you once again here hosting the program. Well, coming up on today's show, uh, from the 7th to the 14th of July, uh, NAIDOC week gatherings took place right across the country. And today we're going to hear some of these speeches which took place during the uh, NAIDOC week presentations here in Ubuntu, Alice Springs. Also during NAIDOC week, uh, the US Consul General uh, to Australia, Michael Klein, was in Alice Springs. The Senior Foreign uh, Service Officer has nearly 20 years of experience in the US Department of State, uh, Mr. Klein will be uh, discussing his understandings of First Nations peoples of Australia and also discussing uh, growing up in his home state of Maryland and uh, some of those discussions around uh, Native Americans there and, and some of the differences between here and, and I guess, uh, over there in the US. Also, the Black Dog Ride is an initiative which aims to uh, raise awareness and funds for mental health and suicide uh, through people's shared interest of motorcycles. Uh, the Black Dog Ride around Australia will be kicking off later this month as riders prepare for more than a uh, 15,000 kilometre journey across the country. Of course, as well, we're going to be hearing the uh, very latest in Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander news from right across the country. Before all of that, though, we are going to go to a quick break and then we'll be right back with our first story. Hey, Mob, this is Patrick Johnson and you're listening to Strong Voices. Be deadly and stay deadly. Well, as we mentioned at the top of the program, uh, NADOC Week, of course, took place from the 7th to the uh, 14th of July. Uh, speaking at this year's NADOC Day in uh, Alice Springs, we heard from uh, Sherlene Campbell and Catherine Sator, both on the uh, NADOC committee. A uh, Welcome to Country was uh, pref- uh, was from uh, respected Arund Elder uh, Kumali Riley. And finally, we're going to be hearing this morning from Vanessa uh, Farley as well, the recipient of the Centralian Youth of the Year. So, here are some of those presentations that took place during NAIDOC week uh, presentations here in uh, Alice Springs. We are strong, black and deadly. Our place is always was and always will be Aboriginal land. I just want to say I'm pretty grateful and being my first time on the committee, it's a pretty good privilege and I just want to welcome Annie Kumali Riley and the other Annies along with the Welcome to Country. everyone. Welcome. I welcome you all on a very special day that we are gathering here to celebrate. 
Ano na kana? Ano na ka? Nampako ka ano na kana rin ka? For our people, for our kids, for our next generation of kids. It na kapoda mga jika atar way. Nangarayk, for our traditional way and also in the western way. They can grow up strong and be proud of who they are. And mrenden ko na marakara na marana rin ka. Mrenden is a very important place for our people. And all those families that are connected through here. Mrenden na lalang ano na poda na kano na kadi mabula poda rin mo. Mrenden na poda lang yun na warjera. Our people from time to Again, look after this country together. Not, I'm not um, And there was no feelings whatsoever about this country because our people that stood united and looked after the land. And so, um, the voice and the truth. Tell the truth. Australia got to tell the truth. Come on. We're going to wait another hundred years. We need to be recognized. We are the first nation of the people and Australia need to recognize and acknowledge, rewrite the constitution and stand united with us. Embrace us. Because our people did in the beginning embrace the Western culture when they when they first came on this land. So why can't Australia do that? Shame dog. We are the grandmothers. We are starting up our women's grandmothers club and we would like to um, invite and um, make contact with other grandmothers from other communities and we are here about our kids. From little ones to the, to the big kids, our youth controlled and you know, these are our kids that are out there and we need to be there and to support them. And we need the Commonwealth and the, the government to support us from behind, not in front of us. We know our kids, we know our people, and we want to be there to be able to show that we can do it too, for that people coming up front and dictating to us. So we're sick and tired of people dictating to us. We have a voice. That voice haven't been heard from time begin. Remember? We're going to be talking and talking and talking, face out. But this is a time for our people to stand up strong and get together, embrace each other today. Don't look at him and say, you, I'm not going to hold his hand. You have to embrace and shake hands. Let's celebrate together. And we have the smoking ceremony at the back there. That is one of the most important smoking ceremonies traditionally done around here in Alice Springs. And it's to cleanse the souls and the minds and the spirits of our people here today so that we can unite and in solitary the way. Yeah. I'd like to acknowledge the Central Islander people for whose land that we stand on today. My name is Catherine Satora and I'm a part of the Alice Springs NAIDOC committee. There's been a huge amount of work put in and a lot of excitement and I think that's representative today of the turnout that is here down on the council lawns. The NAIDOC committee reinstated the local NAIDOC awards because we wanted to celebrate and we wanted to acknowledge all the amazing people in our community who do incredible work, who work dedicatedly, tirelessly to making our community better, to improving our people and empowering our people. So this is the first time that we're doing the NAIDOC Awards for a couple of years. Thank you, Shirlene, for joining me. Thank you, yeah, it's a privilege. And me and Shirlene, everyone probably knows, but if you don't know, me and Shirlene went to Canberra last weekend and we collected the National NAIDOC message stick to make Alice Springs the National NAIDOC Focus City for 2020. So bringing it back home to where it originally should be. Mm -hmm. And when we put the application in, I've got to say, it was sent in six separate emails because of the file size, because of the amount of support letters that we had, the amount of supporting documentation that we had. It just really showed there's a lot of excitement and there's a lot of interest in making Alice Springs the national focus city. So we're really proud of that. We're all going to get glammed up and dressed up next year and go to a ball. 
but there's going to be a lot of work put in to make that happen. So I'm really looking forward to working with the Alice Springs NADOC committee and the community and everyone has an opportunity to be involved and everyone's welcome to be involved and make that happen. Just want to say, let's do it in Aranda style. The NADOC awards this year, we were really, really warmed by the, the applications that were sent in. I mean, it was such a hard decision. You can only pick one. Well, in some cases we picked two because that's how difficult the choice was. And it really just reflects the incredible people in our community who are doing great things. This year, the local NADOC committee received sponsorship to hold the NADOC awards. And without these donations, we would not be able to hold these awards and give out the awards. So we'd like to thank Corp, Senator Malandiri McCarthy, Minister Dale Wakefield, the Yipirinya Shopping Centre, Anglicare Alice Springs and Tungunjura Council. Our nominations are, as always, open to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people who are residents of Mbantu Alice Springs. The categories are Youth of the Year, Elder of the Year, Sports Person of the Year, Artist of the Year, Person of the Year and Lifetime Achievement Award. And the winners of this year's awards are, we have one winner for the Youth of the Year and the category recognises a person aged between 12 and 24 who has made a noteworthy contribution during the current year or given outstanding service over a number of years to their community. And the winner is Vanessa Bailey. Vanessa is a 22-year-old young person of Pradam people. She is most impressive advocate and worker in both revival of Pradam language and SEED, the Indigenous Youth Climate Network. In both of the areas, Vanessa has made a notable contribution. Vanessa recently completed a bachelor degree majoring in Indigenous Community Language Planning and Resource Management at CDU, and she now divides her time between an academic contract with Bachelor Institute working as a language project officer, managing a Pradam Southern Aranda language revival project, and her work with SEED Indigenous Youth Activists Against Climate Change, recently working to raise awareness about fracking in remote communities. Vanessa has worked with Pradam Community since 2017 and found to run a Pradam language and cultural on-country school. Vanessa works closely with grandmother Christabel SWAT to revive the language of Pradam, which has only a few full fluent speakers left. Vanessa and her grandmother, Christabel Swan, have also been developing an online dictionary and other teaching resources. Recently, Vanessa and her grandmother, Kathleen Bradshaw, attended a special forum at the United Nations in New York to attend a master apprentice language course run by the Yipik people. Following this, she and the Pradam community have begun a master apprentice program in Pradam with five young people and Christabel Swan. Vanessa is determined, committed, hardworking and principled in her approach. She is always thinking about how she can bring about and work with other people. She is very good with the older community members and a valued member of the Pradam community and the wider community. She is extremely deserving of recognition and is the 2019 Mbantua Youth of the Year recipient. Thanks so much, everybody. I'd like to thank Ange, my manager at Bachelor, for nominating me for this award, all my family who are supporting me today, and mostly Nana Christabel Swan. She can't be here today because she's in South Australia, but I actually nominated her for Elder of the Year, and she got it. So her daughter, Annie Oriel Swan, is going to come up and get that award for her. This year is International Year of Indigenous Languages, so it's all about acknowledging how important our languages are and how important it is that we have our identity and our 
our languages and, and keep our families strong. And yeah, so Puram, it's Southern Aranda. Not many people have heard of Puram. Everyone knows about Eastern Aranda and Western Aranda, but not so much about Southern Aranda, which is Puram. Um, and yeah, it's a severely endangered language and we're trying to save it and uh, make sure that uh, the next generations know their language and who they are and where they come from. I work with SEED, Indigenous Youth Climate Network, and we're a network of young Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people standing up to protect country against the causes and impacts of climate change, which, you know, is burning coal, oil and gas. And you only had to be in Alice Springs last summer to realise how hot it was, how hard it was to go out bush, how all those horses were dying. Like, climate change is happening here and now, and we're all feeling it. And it's Aboriginal people who are living closest to the land who are feeling it worst, and it's interrupting our culture. Like, we can't go out bush anymore because it's just too hot sometimes in the summer, especially old people. Um, yeah, they can't go on their country because, you know, they'll have heat stroke. And that's really hard for us. And so with SEED, we're trying to stop fracking in the Northern Territory and get involved. If you're, you're a young Indigenous person, you want to get involved with SEED, go ahead. But thank you for this award. Yes, that was some of the uh, presentations that took place at NADOC during the, some of the celebrations and presentations that took place here in Ubuntu Alice Springs, which were, uh, I believe, last Friday at the Town Council lawns. Uh, we will be... Uh, possibly bringing you some more of that content throughout this week as well as of course there was a lot of different awards that were handed out a lot of different people who spoke during those uh, presentations at NADOC here in Alice Springs. Hi this is Pam from Karma and you're listening to Strong Voices on Karma Radio. So as we reported in our radio news uh, the US Consul General to Australia Michael Klein has expressed his own personal wish to learn more about First Nations peoples during his visit to Mbantua Alice Springs. Mr Klein, who arrived in Australia in August of last year, is a senior foreign service officer with nearly 20 years of experience in the US Department of State. Mr Klein is speaking here with Karma's Paul Wiles. Well, Michael, uh, you've had a whirlwind trip around Alice. Uh, you're here at a, a very significant time for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples, the NAIDOC uh, celebrations here in Mbantua. You saw there were hundreds of uh, First Nations peoples uh, uh, gathered in the park uh, to uh, 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 share in the pride of their own culture. I, I'm interested, um, before you came to Australia, what was your understanding of the First Nations and what have you learnt since you've been here? I've learned a lot since I've come here. I grew up in Maryland, which is one of the original 13 colonies founded in 1603 by Captain Smith. But of course, there were there were Native American tribes that were living in what we now see as the state of Maryland for 10,000 years. And I grew up along the Potomac River, named, that's a Native American name, but uh, the, the original tribes that were from the state of Maryland no longer live there anymore. Mm. I grew up in this community that everything's named with these Native American names, but there are no Native Americans anymore so, in that area. And so coming to Australia, and I started going to almost all the events I go to, whether it's in uh, Victoria, where I live, or South Australia, or Tasmania, or Northern Territory, which is all part of my consular district, there have been either an acknowledgement of the traditional custodians of the land, or in some cases, a, a welcome to country like we had at our July 4th party in, in Adelaide this, earlier this week, an acknowledgement of Native peoples and First Peoples, and in a, in a way that I didn't experience growing up 
And so I'm here really learning and seeing how Australia is is working through some of these issues. And I'm, I'm fascinated by it. And that's why I'm excited to be here for, for NADOC Week and, and continue this, trying to understand it better. Australia is, you're probably aware, in a very uh, interesting situation at the moment uh, as far as uh, giving the First Nations a voice to Parliament or a treaty. And um, again, I'm sure uh, over the next um, 12 months and going into the future, there has been a three-year time limit put on it. But you're certainly here for a very interesting time in Australian political history, because um, unlike New Zealand, where the First Nations were given a treaty, which Mm -hmm. is still enacted today, that never happened in Australia. So in a sense, 230 years of uh, colonisation with... um, very little acknowledgement uh, or respect paid to the First Nations. Uh, it is a big catch-up moment for Australia. We have seen in the last two, three decades a greater acknowledgement that the true history of the country has to be told, that right. the young people of this nation, all young people, need to understand the historical connection of the First Nations to this country, which is the oldest living culture on earth, Mm -hmm. which is something to be very, very proud of, obviously. But even though they're the oldest surviving living culture on earth, they're still not constitutionally recognised in their own country. So this particular issue of recognition, I'm sure uh, that when you go back uh, home to America, you will, in your time here, take on board maybe much more than what you knew when you first came. Absolutely. Absolutely. Just in my eight months so far, I've learned so much about the complexities of these issues. I'll leave it to Australia to figure out the way forward, but understanding the dialogue and the sorts of different matters that need to be addressed has really been eye-opening to me. And I'm, uh, I'm fascinated by it and I appreciate the opportunity to learn more. Again, even within your own country, uh, issues around uh, African-Americans, the um, First Nations peoples of that country, there's still issues that are ongoing and uh, it's part of a big global discussion. At what point do the colonisers begin to understand that they have to recognise the First Nations and for whatever reason uh, that we've grown up uh, in our own countries, um, not really acknowledging or understanding. I think it's more a a lack of um, not knowing the true history. Um, The history in most colonised countries was written by the winners (laughs) of the the campaign. So uh, often it's a very um, one-sided story. But uh, again, from a legal background, I'm sure you would see that um, truth and justice are significant issues that do need to be looked at. That's absolutely right. And I think that it's becoming clear to me in my time here and talking to young people. I do spend a lot of my time trying to reach out to young people. That's uh, it's, a, it's a demographic that uh, we as the U.S. mission want to want to know better and so i spend time with in cafes and i'll get a group of 20 year olds and i'll ask them you know what's on your mind and indigenous rights come up it's in the middle of cbd of melbourne and young people are thinking about it and i think it's wonderful to have just uh people thinking talking and 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 trying to look ahead Mike, what does a consul general do? Uh, what's the difference between your role and the ambassador? I was afraid ambassador? you'd ask me that. 
to the ambassador. The ambassador is in Canberra. Ambassador Colville House is uh, in the embassy. I'm the consul general. I'm the. I sit in Melbourne, responsible for um, Victoria, South Australia, Tasmania, Northern Territory. And my, the general outline of my job is to promote trade, promote investment, and further strengthen the already rock solid U.S. Australia relationship. And for for trade and investments, we have we have huge companies that have been here for a hundred years, GE and companies like that. So I'm put, I'm putting a lot of time into the smaller companies and newer industries and innovative sectors um, like renewables and solar and space. And that's one of the things that brought me here to Alice Springs because of just an incredible partnership that just started between um, the Center for Appropriate Technologies over at the Desert Knowledge Precinct and this huge satellite company in California called Viasat. And they're entering this partnership, and and CAT here is an, an indigenous nonprofit, and putting together um, the knowledge here, the use and understanding of the land that's here in, in Central Australia and um, partnering that with just cutting-edge satellite technology to bring real-time, real benefits to people here in the region is, is real exciting to me because this is this is new terrain mm. and I see a lot of opportunity in, in, that, in those sorts of sectors. Mm. And as Consul General, um, my job is to help spotlight that sort of great work and do what I can to facilitate more of it. So having said that and looking at the innovation of CAT, which is 30-odd years old, I think, mm-hmm. from memory, but uh, again, the, probably the one big difference between uh, Aboriginal and Europeans is the the way that the First Nations think, which is very, very, I say think, um, outside of the square, solving problems. And we did have many years ago uh, one of the... Um, the three amigos going back to the uh, telecommunications um, sector. Uh, you may know who I'm talking about, yeah. but when he visited Central Australia, he he said he was in awe at the capacity for people to think outside of the box for problem solving. And I'm just wondering if um, you know maybe this is an area that you might be able to uh, hone in on as far as um, working with the First Nations peoples in the Central Desert region to become part of uh, you know some of these global structures of, of problem solving for desert regions and environmental i mean obviously aboriginal people have a very long history and tradition of caring and looking after country i mean almost to the point that when the when the first uh, colonizers arrived um, they described it as looking like a garden thinking that just happened well it didn't just happen it was through very selective management and control of country that made it look so good so it's only as i say in the last three decades that people have uh, even begun to connect to first nations knowledge at the highest levels of academia and science and to take that on board so perhaps that's something you can look at absolutely that point's becoming clearer and clearer to me even just over the past 24 hours of being on the ground here in Alice and seeing the sorts of challenges of distance language community that have been overcome over the course of tens of thousands of years. And those are challenges that 
aren't necessarily just common here, but they, that's hmm. the skill set necessary to overcome those challenges can be applied in many, many, many sectors and places and, and situations. So yeah. I, I do see a lot of opportunity there. If you had a message for the First Nations as the representative of the U.S. government, uh, as far as working with the USA into the future, what would it be? My message is just of gratitude of the... Uh, First, the hospitality that I've been shown, and I'm just eager to work with you and learn from you. Karma's Paul Wiles uh, speaking with the US Consul General to Australia, Michael Klein. We're going to be heading to the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander news very soon. Before then, we're going to go to a quick break, and then we'll be right back. Hey, this is Kathy Freeman. You're listening to Strong Voices on Karma Radio. That's right. You're listening to Strong Voices on Calm Radio this Monday morning. Great to have your company today. I'm very happy to say that I'm joined in the studio by Karma's Paul Wiles and Lorena Walker. Thank you both for joining us today. Good morning, Carl. Good morning, Carl. Well, a lot's happening around the country. We'll start with you, Lorena. I understand you've got a story this morning in regards to uh, Indigenous emojis. Yeah, so um, there has been uh, workshops that took place last year um, and... It's awesome to know that these workshops were held in Alice Springs and Tunning Creek, but um, in the near future, the um, yeah, I mean, there's been a lot of talk about the Aboriginal flag, but um, it will be included uh, in the emoji library over a dozen, there is over a dozen new um, Indigenous-themed emojis, which will be going to Android and the iOS um, via a new app. Um, Indigenous Studios, which is behind the project, have po- they posted a tease of what the new emojis will look like on Facebook last Thursday. So, yeah, very interesting and exciting as well. For, for those who may be unfamiliar, Lorena, what, what are some of the different emojis that people can um, expect? So can I jump in? Yeah. Maybe if you explain what an emoji is. Yeah, so just um, for, for those who may not know what an emoji is, there is a, a, a library on your phone, a smartphone, either Android or iPhone and you can go in and instead of writing people can also communicate through these what they call emojis but they're little um, sort of like little characters or little I mean yeah. they've got, they've yeah, got yeah. Yeah. small little pictures you know yeah. maybe like a, if you're happy so smiling a little smiley face, face or something like up. that Smileys, yeah. Yeah, so, now so we've got indigenous ones. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so some of them that are featured, I thought it was pretty funny. They've got a panicking, a boomerang, um, a troopy, um, also like um, the Aboriginal flag, but a love heart, also the Aboriginal flag, but a crown. Um, the hand emoji with the Aboriginal flag in it. Um, and these have been created by young people throughout. Uh, Alice Springs and Tennant Creek. So, yeah, that's pretty cool. So, yeah, hopefully we see them up very soon. <laughs> one of the ones that I actually like quite a bit was the kangaroo tail. <laughs> oh, yeah, you can't forget the kangaroo tail. They've got the dingo, the honey ants, um, and some other little funny emojis. But, yeah, it's pretty cool. About time mm. um, that they will be featured. So when will they turn up on people's phones? Uh, it, it doesn't say the an exact date, but they just said, in, the, in like, it will be... Yeah, I believe it's the coming weeks, I think, like a week or two for the Android, but then uh, iOS is a bit further because I think their process of approving apps is a bit different. Right, yeah. right, yeah. Um, but, yeah, as Lorena said, I don't think they, they have a hard date at the moment. It's just okay. sort of as the approval process Some, goes Something to through. look forward to, though, very shortly mm. coming up. Watch yeah. the space. Yeah, watch the space. Well, mm. on to you now, Paul. I understand you have a story this morning in regards to... Uh, 
Treaty in Queensland. That's right. Uh, Deputy Premier and Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Partnerships Minister Jackie Trad uh, made the uh, policy uh, statement uh, on the weekend, launching the government's Indigenous Reform Agenda, Tracks to Treaty. Um, as Trad says, the uh, journey will support self-determination, truth-telling, local decision-making and better life outcomes for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples as Queensland moves towards a treaty with the First Nations peoples. Uh, as part of the uh, journey, they're uh, part of the... Um, a panel has been put together. Um, the announcement came after Queensland's agreement uh, that the state will pay $190 million in historical stolen wages to Aboriginal workers. The settlement uh, represented the fifth largest class action award made in Australia. So uh, good news there for uh, uh, many older Aboriginal people whose wages uh, were micromanaged for them in more ways than one. But uh, anyway, getting back to the journey towards treaty, uh, Ms Trad says an eminent panel of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Queenslanders and non-Indigenous Queenslanders will be appointed to lead the conversation about genuine recognition and agreement with the Aboriginal people about reconciliation and self-determination. Uh, Jackie Huggins from National Congress, um, she'll be uh, chairing the um, panel. Former Federal Attorney General uh, Michael Lavash. Um, Aboriginal leader Mick Gooder, former Governor-General Quinton Bryce and journalist Kerry O'Brien are also on the panel. So uh, we will follow that up uh, this week and see if we uh, can't find out uh, a little more about that journey. Mm, definitely, as we know, you know, progress towards treaty. You know, we've got discussions happening here in the Northern Territory. Victoria also plugging away at their process. Uh, obviously, pretty early stages for all of those developments but yeah. great to be having those conversations well who would have thought you know 20 years ago that here we would be today with three or four states um, talking about um, state or localized treaties um, as you say there is uh, a long way to go it is a um, um, a very slow process and again I think this is what uh, um, has made it very frustrating for the First Nations peoples uh, even when the conversation begins uh, it's going to be a long drawn out process and uh, you know, getting everyone on the same page as we're seeing with um, um, voice to parliament versus treaty many different views out there uh, across the nation about what would work best uh, for the First Nations and um, getting a unified voice on that within the uh, First Nations community will obviously uh, take some time as well. Mm, definitely another thing, watch this space and obviously the developments around this area and making sure that you know everyone has their voices are That's definitely right. very important. Yeah. Well, on that note, uh, Paul, Lorena, thank you both for joining us for the news from around the country. Thank you. Thank you. G'day, folks. This is Kutcher Edwards and you're listening to Our Strong Voices here on Karma Radio. That's right. You're listening to Strong Voices here on Karma Radio this uh, Monday morning. Great to have your company today. You're here with me, Kyle Dowling. We're going to be heading into our final story of the show. In an effort to raise awareness and funds for mental health and suicide, people across Australia will come together over their shared interests in motorcycles as part of the Black Dog Ride. 
On July 26, uh, around 50 black dog riders will travel more than 15,000 kilometres as they embark on a journey around Australia, starting from uh, Bustleton in Western Australia. I spoke with uh, John Benham, Assistant Coordinator of the Black Dog Rider Around Australia, and here's that conversation now. First of all, John, uh, tell us about the Black Dog Ride. What's it all about? The Black Dog Ride started in 2009 when one fella, Steve Andrews in Southern WA, uh, made a decision at the wake of one of his best friends uh, whose wife had completed suicide that he really needed to get out there and start conversations about depression and suicide prevention because nobody really around him and in his town particularly wanted to talk about the topic. So he jumped on his motorbike and he rode around Australia and during that time he learnt and realised that his motorbike was his tool of engagement. People were always coming up to him and asking where he'd been and where he was going um, and why he was on the road and that gave him the perfect opportunity to start conversation and that's really the whole I suppose spirit of what the Black Dog Ride is about it's about starting conversations in regional, remote inner cities wherever we go we start conversations and nothing starts a conversation more than when a large group of motorcycles pull into town People always seem to be drawn. I don't know what it is about motorcycles, but there's something really that does draw people. And I think it is, is, as you were saying, that great icebreaker for people to be able to then have those discussions, isn't it? Yeah, no, it really is. And it's really cross-generational too, because we visit schools and and the kids love to see the motorbikes and, and sort of hear what we've got to say and why we're on this journey, as well as, you know, quite often we'll have some great conversations in truck stops and road stops with grey nomads hearing their stories and a lot of it is inviting people to to have a conversation about how this subject has touched their lives as well as the participants that are on the ride. So tell us about uh, this year's ride. How is that sort of going to play out? Where, where, Where do they start from? So this year being in the 10th anniversary since Steve Andrews went on his first solo ride. So this year we're starting in Bustleton in southern WA and we're doing the full lap. In fact, we're tracing the the same route that he took 10 years ago. Along the way, in each state and territory, we're being joined by other participants because not everyone can afford 35 days away from work, uh, although it is a great, you know, great opportunity. But we've been joined with people who will join us for a day, for you know, three days or a week, and they'll come along with us and sort of be a bit of a host and help us engage in their communities um, and in their towns. And then we'll move on. We're going to do the full lap of Australia in 35 days, 17,500 kilometres. And we hope to really engage with well over 400 different sort of community groups and uh, mobs of people that we really need to start these conversations with. And these people really want to have the conversation. And as you mentioned, you know, it is 10 years on since the beginning. How have you seen it grow over the years and have you been surprised by the amount of growth that we have seen? No words can describe how much it's grown. If we think about 10 years ago, it was one man on a mission and now we have two major events a year. So we have a one-day event on the third Sunday in March every year. And this year we had that in 45 locations around the country and we had well over 10,000 motorcycle enthusiasts get on their bike for the day, spend some time together, raise some awareness, really get people sort of noticing what we're doing. 
And yeah, 10 years later, we're doing the full lap once again and really engaging in communities and, you know, we, we, we sort of avoid the big cities. We really like to get out to the country towns and the regional areas because that's where a lot of the people feel a bit disconnected, maybe not have access to resources. It's all very well and good to say, you know, you can ring a phone or you can jump on a computer, but nothing's better than a conversation face-to-face with somebody who's genuinely experienced in, in these conversations. I, I'd imagine then these communities, that, that they must be very excited every time, you know, getting to see all these bikes roll in and, and have those conversations then, yeah? Yes, they do. There's a lot of communities, and look, I'll touch on Tennant Creek. Um, they, the Lions in Tennant Creek play host to us every year that we come through and come past. And they've been great hosts. Sometimes they've hosted 60. A couple of years ago, there would have been well over 100. And I think in 2015, there was three of us. But they've always shown the same level of support and commitment and really sort of opened opened them their community up and invited us in to spend a night with them and to sort of talk and to laugh and to share stories. And how how have you sort of personally seen in terms of those uh, discussions sort of, I guess, at a a national level, as you mentioned, you know, the ride does go into, you know, sort of the, the smaller communities and things like that. How have you seen in terms of people wanting to be able to open up and have those discussions about things like mental health. As we know, there is a bit of a stigma surrounding that. Do you, do you see that sort of getting broken down over time? Look, it's interesting I do, and it's a sad way that I have seen the difference made. And uh, It comes in numbers, I suppose. So when I first started becoming involved with this a bit over five years ago, the national statistics then were about six and a half to seven Australian people took their life every day. That's a lot of people. That's way more than our road toll. The statistics that have come out very recently are saying that it's risen above eight and they're expecting it could be as high as 10 people a day are taking their lives. Do I think that more people are taking their lives or do I think that people are talking about it more? I really see the trend that it's becoming more of a discussion and people are actually talking about it, not hiding about it. We have huge statistics in the elderly that take their lives, which used to be sort of put down as you know natural causes or old age. We have a lot of vehicle accidents, which are now being identified. So I think that the more we're talking about it, the more that we're uncovering what a real hidden epidemic this really is. So although the statistics say that we're getting, you know, the, the rates are going higher, I see it is that we're actually talking about it and recognising it more. It's the leading cause of death of all Australians under the age of 45. As you mentioned, that there's different ways that people can get involved in terms of the, the Black Dog Ride, whether they're doing it, you know, at a national level or, you know, the, the state or territory level. What are some other ways that people can sort of get involved in and, and show their support? The first and easiest way is to jump onto our website, have a look at the event that we've got coming up. So the, the event's in March and actually next year's event is a ride to the Red Centre, which is also one of our historical rides. I suppose the biggest thing we can do and our key message is that, you know, we need to talk and we need to start these uh, conversations. So have a conversation with your family and your friends. If you've got the ability and you've got the chance to, you know, 
jump on a motorbike and join one of our rides, that's fantastic. If you're in a position where you can, you know, support our charity, then all that information is, is on the website. But really, the best thing that we can encourage is for people to start the conversation and let's talk about it. Let's not hide behind the stigma. If I turn around to people and I said, oh, I had a bout of the flu a few weeks or a month ago, it would be a normal conversation. If I turn around and I said to people, oh, I had a bout of depression a few weeks or a few months ago, you would find that a lot of people might shy away from that conversation. And it's okay to talk about it, particularly if people are inviting you into it. We do cap the Around Australia ride at 60, but that's an interesting thing because then we, in each state and territory, we may, we may take on another 100 that would join us through, you know, certain parts. We will take people, we will take registrations if they meet us along the journey and they say, hey, I'd like to join you for a couple of days. We have the ability these days with, you know, great internet service that we can just register people there and then on the spot. They can join our, you know, sort of avalanche of conversations at any point. Jump on the website and have a look which towns that we're going through and what dates. And look, I really encourage people to join us on the way and meet like-minded people. That was John Benham there, Assistant Coordinator of the Black Dog Ride Around Australia. That's going to conclude our Strong Voices for this Monday morning. Thank you so much for tuning in. Hopefully you enjoyed the program. If you missed any of the stories or wanted to listen back to the show, I'll be posting up a uh, podcast of Strong Voices uh, later this afternoon up on uh, Karma's SoundCloud. Uh, Thank you to all our guests who joined us on the program as well. And we'll, of course, be back the same time tomorrow from uh, 11 till 12. Strong Voices. Richard Inkerton.